Hi everyone, welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis episode. Hopefully you're enjoying this approach to scripture where we take a look at the literal sense of scripture, which is where the Catholic teaching says we have to start. There is of course spiritual meanings of the text and personal meanings of the text, but the church says we must start with the literal sense, which is what was the original author trying to convey to his original hearers? And we can use the tools of exegesis and good Catholic scholarship to try and understand what that might be. So we're going to take a look at a part of the Sermon on the Mount today. And as I've said a few times, it's best if you can read the entire Sermon on the Mount all at once. Uh, but what we're doing here is breaking it down into smaller chunks to see if we can understand the literal sense of the text. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt becomes tasteless, what can make it salty again? It is good for nothing and can only be thrown out to be trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp to put it under a tub. They put it on the lampstand where it shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine in the sight of men, so that, seeing your good works, they may give the praise to your Father in heaven. So, what's the context here? Well, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, where Matthew has collected a series of Jesus' teachings about the kingdom of God and put them together. Or, of course, you could say that maybe Jesus did say all of this on the one occasion, and that's quite possible too. Now, already in the Sermon on the Mount, we've had the Beatitudes, And now we get into this section here, which is essentially Jesus is going to remind his disciples about the importance of acting on their beliefs. He's telling them the kingdom of God is not just for you. It's not just a set of teachings for you to think about. It's to make an impact, uh, make an impact in the world and to expand the kingdom. And so he's going to tell them, basically, if you're not doing that, you're useless. That's the point of this section coming up here. Verse 13, our lectionary says, Jesus said to his disciples. Now, if you look at most Bibles, that phrase won't be in there because Jesus is speaking to whole crowds here. It's whoever wants to hear him at this point. Probably most of the crowd is made up of Christians already, but certainly there'll be people there who have not yet committed to the Christian faith, uh, but are wanting to learn more about it. And he's going to give two little parables here. The first one is about salt. The second one is about light. So he starts by saying, you are the salt of the earth. Now, in that culture, salt was well known and it was used for two main purposes, which was to flavor food and to preserve food. So if you can keep that imagery in mind here, when he says you are the real salt of the earth, he says, if salt becomes tasteless, what can make it salty again? Now, the answer, this is a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing. If salt loses its saltiness, it can't actually become salty again. And then he says, it is good for nothing and can only be thrown out to be trampled underfoot by men. And indeed, that's what they would do in this culture. If someone determined that their salt was no good, they would literally throw it out the window onto the ground outside and it would be trampled on as people walked past. If the salt was no good, it would be thrown out. Now, that's the end of the little parable. What's the meaning of it? Well, Jesus doesn't tell us. So in this case, we have to guess. Um... But having said that, he is going to interpret the parable about light. He just doesn't interpret the parable about salt. I think we can say something like this. In this mini parable about salt, Jesus' own disciples are the salt, and their purpose is to preserve and flavor the world. 
basically that's like to spread the kingdom of God and to preserve goodness in the world. That's the that's what Jesus' disciples are called to do. If a Christian stops doing that, if they no longer preserve goodness in the world and share the message of the kingdom of God and expand the kingdom of God. If they don't do that, well, then they're no longer useful in the kingdom of God. And they're going to be, this could be a reference to hell, perhaps. They're going to be thrown out to be trampled underfoot by men. That would certainly fit with some things Jesus says later in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's not brought out explicitly here. Now, there might be one more additional element here to salt, which is if you think about the Old Testament background, salt was often part of covenant-making ceremonies quite important ones. So salt was part of the covenant of priesthood made with Aaron and his descendants. If you look at Numbers chapter 18, verse 19, there's a reference to salt there. And it was also part of the covenant made with David and his descendants in 2 Chronicles 13, verse 5. So perhaps there's an element here of you are the people of the new covenant and you have a special responsibility to live up to the covenant. That that might be part of what's going on here. So Jesus now gives us another you are parable. You are the light of the world. Now, once again, as we'll see here, the point is going to be that his disciples are supposed to make an impact on the world. And this actually does have a fairly significant Old Testament background. Israel in the Old Testament, God's people were supposed to be a light to the nations. If you study the Old Testament carefully, you'll see that God didn't choose Israel just because he wanted a special chosen people just for the sake of it, I guess. The point of it was, the point of God calling out the people of Israel was so that they would be an example to the rest of the nations and they would lead the rest of the nations back to God. They were called to be a light to the nations. It specifically says that in Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 to 3. It's also in Baruch chapter 4 verse 2. So Israel was the light of the world in the Old Testament. Now Jesus says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Very much fits in with this theology of Christians being the new Israel uh, who are designed to bring the whole world to God. In a sense, they're continuing the mission that Israel did not fulfill. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Now, many cities in the ancient world, including Jerusalem, could be seen from miles around because they were built on hills. That was one of the reasons why cities were built on hills. Certainly here, well, almost certainly, we have a reference to Jerusalem. As Jesus here says, a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. If you put those two together, in Old Testament theology, Jerusalem was a visible sign to the rest of the nations of God's reign on earth. They would look up to Jerusalem. It was built on a hill. People could see it from everywhere. And they would see it as a something that points the rest of the nations to God. Well, here Jesus says, you are the city built on a hilltop and you cannot be hidden. So God's new people are the new Jerusalem. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp to put it under a tub. Now, when we hear the word lamp here, we shouldn't think of like a modern electricity lamp. It was like a small stone pot thing. If you think about the lamp in the movie Aladdin, that's essentially what he's talking about here. That's what the lamps were. They would have a flame coming out of it and uh, you could use it to light rooms. Jesus says no one lights a lamp to put it under a tub. Another translation there is a bushel. It's like a basket. No one lights a lamp to put it under a basket. They put it on a lampstand where it shines for everyone in the house. So if you wanted to use this lamp to light up the whole house, you'd put it on a special lampstand. 
and it would kind of spread its light to the whole house. Jesus says, in the same way, so now we're going to get this interpretation from Jesus. He says, just as no one lights a lamp and puts it under a tub, rather they put it on a lampstand, Jesus now says, well, in the same way, your light must shine in the sight of men. So Jesus says, the light that you have, this kingdom of God, information and the spirit of God that you're beginning to receive through information about the kingdom, you must shine in the sight of men. His disciples must live in such a way that other people will take notice and will be drawn to the kingdom. So Jesus continues the thought, in the same way, your light must shine in the sight of men so that, so now we're going to hear the purpose. Why does Jesus want the kingdom of God to be visible? So that seeing your good works, they may give the praise to your father in heaven. So here's the whole thing. And this is interesting. Jesus says, when people see Christians doing good works because they're motivated by their faith and because they're empowered by the kingdom, that will cause other people who are watching to realize that God has genuine power. This kingdom of God is real and they're likely to turn to God and come into the kingdom. Really interesting. Jesus says, when people see Christians living as Christians ought to, empowered by the spirit, living the kingdom of God values, it should cause people to turn to God and be drawn to the kingdom. And you might know people in your own life who've got a bit of a conversion testimony like that, where they literally saw the witness of other Christians and saw that there was something different about their life. That's exactly what Jesus says here. That's what Christians should do. They should be living out the kingdom of God in such a way that it actually draws people into the kingdom of God. And notice he says here, seeing your good work, so works is an important part of this, not just talking about the kingdom, but actually doing good works. And the Sermon on the Mount is going to tell us a bit more about these good works as we go on. They may give praise to your father in heaven. So your father, Jesus here says that God is the Christian, is the father of Christians. This is the first time in the gospel of Matthew that this idea of God as father has appeared. And it's going to come up 17 times total in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll talk more about this term father, particularly when we get to the Our Father prayer. So your father in heaven, it's quite a powerful phrase. We have a father, an all-powerful father who is in heaven and he cares about our needs and he can respond to our needs. This is the one we're called to represent, where ambas- or Christians are ambassadors to the rest of the world on behalf of the Father. The implication here, if you put together these two mini parables, the one about salt and the one about light, is that if Jesus' followers don't do good works, as in if they hide their light and they don't shine it out to the world, then people won't turn to God and they won't come into the kingdom. So there's quite a strong responsibility here on Jesus' followers. So we've done verses 13 to 16. That is the end of today's text. Let's now turn to the Catechism. And there's a few paragraphs we want to look at here. So paragraph 782 is about the characteristics of the people of God. And this fits in very well with what we've been saying. Its mission is to be a salt, is to be salt of the earth and light of the world. This people is a most sure seed of unity, hope and salvation for the whole human race. Paragraph 2820 and 2821 is about thy kingdom come. So it's a commentary on the Our Father. By a discernment according to the Spirit, Christians have to distinguish between the growth of the reign of God and the progress of the culture 
and society in which they are involved. This distinction is not a separation. Man's vocation to eternal life does not suppress, but actually reinforces, his duty to put into action in this world the energies and means received from the Creator to serve justice and peace. This petition is taken up and granted in the prayer of Jesus, which is present and effective in the Eucharist. It bears its fruit in new life in keeping with the Beatitudes. So here we have the Catholic Church teaching in continuation continuation with Jesus' own teaching here, that the role of Christians is to make a difference in society. They are to be salt and light to the world, which means to further the growth of the kingdom of God in society. Paragraph 1243 is about the mystagogy of baptism, and it's talking in particular about light. The candle lit from the Easter candle signifies that Christ has enlightened the neophyte. In him, the baptized are the light of the world. So in a real sense, those who are baptized are the light of the world, and they get a candle to represent that at their baptism. Paragraph 326, this is just about the word heaven. Heaven refers to the saints and the place of the spiritual creatures, the angels who surround God. And this passage here says, God resides in heaven as our father. So hopefully you got a bit out of that exegesis. And we're going to continue moving through the Sermon on the Mount in the next few episodes. I think you'll see that as we pull it apart verse by verse, it'll give you a new perspective on the sermon and help you really get an insight into Jesus' vision of the kingdom. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.